Howdy, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. Uh, and once again, kind of a slow week um, for both great, of us. Not, if not for me, I'm doing I great. Mean, I mean, in terms of movie watching. No, I'm doing great as far as uh, these days. Like, I'm lucky if I can get one or two, and I've got oh, three, got three this yeah. week. I, I've only got two that I want to talk about. Obviously, I've, I don't count every rewatch. Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Sure. Natalie and I watched Waking Dead Divine, and nice. then I watched uh, I watched Calvary, um, as I do every St. Patrick's Day. So I don't need to talk about no. uh, about those. But um, so I only have a couple to, to, to talk about. So this will be another short one. Why don't you go first? Yeah, uh, there is a rewatch that I wasn't going to that I'm not going to talk about. But uh, of course, in talking about John Lucari, I was just like, well, I'm going to rewatch Tinker Taylor, which I did and uh, adored it. But anyway, uh, so this uh, first movie is a first time watch for me. And that is First Man, directed by Damien Chazelle. I did not see it at the time. Uh, You've seen it, right? Yeah, I I reviewed it. I. uh, I've written about it again since then. All right. Then. <laughs> uh, it's um, nice that I knew exactly what you were going to say. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I did too. It's probably my, it's probably my least favorite of his movies, but I still like it a lot. Um, I put it above whiplash. I like um, whiplash more than you do. Um, I, I just, I just don't like Miles Teller. <laughs> it, it really, sure. like, it, it, he's in, he's unavoidable. He's unavoidable. He's in the whole damn thing. Yeah, and I, I think he's, he's very good. Uh, I think he does what needs to be done in that role. But what I will say is, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, like the first two movies have a lot to do with music, jazz in particular, and then this one has very little to do with anything artistic there's a lot of creativity in there, obviously, because you're, you're dealing with uh, characters who are seeing something that isn't there uh, and then working to make that a reality. And that's creativity that could even be seen as inherently artistic, but anyway, um, but it definitely continues Damien Chazelle's through line of having main characters who understand who are going against the grain as far as like so often, I think there's what I, damn it. I almost did the same thing you did. Yeah. <laughs> In a recent thing that I was writing about whiplash, um, you know, that idea that people say, it's like, Hey, nobody on their deathbed ever said, you know, I should have, you know, uh, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Like, well, depends on the office. I imagine, uh, you know, in, in the case of someone who's doing amazing work, I'm sure they do love their family, but I think they can also recognize I, I made my mark in this other way as well. And maybe I revolutionized something and maybe I was able to inspire or enrich other people in that process. And so, uh, and, and it, it's you look at these like I'm reminded of a young Steven Spielberg when he made something like Close Encounters or Jaws. Like there was just a certain there was a hungry element to him that was a little bit unsentimental. And the idea that at the end of Close Encounters that Richard Dreyfus gets on the alien ship and leaves his family behind is something that older Sp- Spielberg would never do. Um, 
And similarly, you know, a young Damien Chazelle writing about these men specifically who, although, you know what, uh, that's not true. Cause in La La Land, you also have Emma Stone's character, like these mm, characters yeah. who, who value uh, family, they value friends, they value romance, whatever it is, but there's this other thing that they maybe value more. Um, or they at least see the value in, whereas everybody else says, no, the only thing that should be valuable are family and relationships. And with First Man, you you definitely have this this instance where Neil Armstrong, he values his his wife and his kids. And, and he's also a little bit defined by loss, not merely of his young daughter, but of also but also of friends like that still impacts him. But the only thing that seems to make any real sense to him, the only thing he has any control over, because he can't control things like death and loss. So the only thing he has any control over is himself and what he's able to do as an astronaut, as an engineer. And so he just throws himself into that. And in doing so, he's willing to sacrifice his family, not in the sense of getting rid of them, but depriving himself of them by dying himself. And uh, so I do think that it's, but at the same time, I think it, it, it shows how Damien Chazelle is maybe evolving or not evolving, but just changing a little bit because I think by the end of, of this film, it's like he, somehow the willingness to sacrifice something that is important to you can sometimes help you realize how important that thing is. And so the very last shot, you know, compared to the last shot of whiplash where it's between there, there's a nice look between miles Teller and, and JK Simmons here. The last shot is between Neil Armstrong and his wife, albeit with uh, a, a barrier between them, but there's, but they're trying to connect in some way. And so I like that. It feels like a, the film is very uncompromising in that theme, but it is, the theme is changing a little bit as Damien Chazelle gets older. Uh, that along with just, you, I think the performances are great. Technically, I think, you know, in moments of chaos, I think you're right there with them. And it's, and it seems like, I know he's not going to die. And yet, I don't see how he can live through this. Uh, and so I really, I really liked the movie. It, I really responded to it. Um, yeah. A couple of things I'll add that I love about this movie. Um, I mean, it's not about music, but the score by Justin Herbert sure. is amazing. Yeah. Um, probably one of my favorite scores of the, of that decade. Um, and also I love that uh, Ryan Gosling seems to have two main modes. Sure. Either, He's the charming motor mouth, crazy yeah. stupid love, La La Land, or uh, the Big Short, or whatever. Mm. Or he's the exact opposite—a guy who talks as little as possible, like <laughs> yeah. this in Blade Runner and Drive. Um, I, I like both. Uh, I like both versions of Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's it's interesting that he can do both completely convincingly. Mm-hmm. Neither of them feel like an affectation. Uh, all right. Next up for me is uh, a, a very recent. Um, uh, comedy sci-fi comedy um called save yourselves it has an exclamation point in the title so i have to say okay. it like that save yourselves yeah. uh from last year um directed by alex houston fisher and eleanor wilson uh and starring this is the reason i wanted to watch it uh sunita mani who's mostly known from glow uh mm. and john reynolds who's mo- i guess mostly known for uh search party he was also in the uh hulu uh four weddings and a funeral uh inspired oh, okay. miniseries um 
they're great. Uh, also, Ben Sinclair, who plays the guy on High Maintenance, uh, shows up in a in a role. So this movie has a has a great cast, and it also has a really good premise, which is that uh, Snidamani and John Reynolds play a a couple sort of New York, you know, aging hipsters, you know, hipsters in the thirties, a uh, couple who decide uh, that they're gonna go for a week, go to a cabin in upstate New York for a week, leave all their devices behind, and just like unplug from the world for a week and they do that at the exact time that uh hostile aliens invade earth and so for the first few days that this is happening they're completely unaware um that uh that that their lives are uh changing forever or very possibly in great danger and most of the people they know and love uh, uh have been killed or abducted um, so yeah kind of a dark comedy and, and interesting uh or it seems like it would be a fun premise. I feel like, I feel like it moves away from the premise too quickly. And I also think it's sort of point of view of these kind of, uh, um, urban and urbane, uh, uh, modern day hipsters, um, being like not knowing how to function like in, in old fashioned ways. Um, is I think kind of trite. Um, I, 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 I appreciate, I guess the way the screenplay kind of, uh, forces them to learn how to, uh, think without their devices and to, to do things physically and to care about, uh, uh, to literally care about people other than the, themselves. There's a lot of, I, I think this is what one of the movies, uh, less tapped veins would be the way that um, a lot of this, the kind of people I'm talking about tend to be very liberal and um, tend to be uh, at least outwardly devoted to certain causes, mm-hmm. but um, don't actually uh, uh, interact with or one-on-one uh, show compassion for people outside their immediate circle. Sure. Um, I wish there was more of that kind of stuff uh, in, in the movie, um, but uh but uh, uh, overall, I feel like it's it, it, it just feels like it didn't do enough with uh, what a good premise it mm. it had. Um, but there's some there's some good uh, laughs in it, and, and the the cast does go a, a long way. Um, uh, Sunita Mani and, and John Reynolds, especially, they're just uh, uh, really terrific actors. All right. Next for me is a film that I think is is uh, a year or two old. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but that is uh, Jim Cummings' Thunder Road. I forget if you saw this or not. Uh, I've I've seen the short film. Okay. And I saw uh, his film that came out during the pandemic, The Wolf of right. No Hollow, but I haven't seen the feature Thunder Road. Uh, it's really great in a lot of ways. It is not perfect. Uh, from a from a structural standpoint, there there's some, especially towards the end, that he makes some some choices because he wrote, directed, he stars in it, um, and he makes some choices that I think are a little bit questionable. There questionable. There's a bit of a Deus Ex Machina, which uh, which makes things a little bit convenient uh, for him, but. Uh, up until then, it, certainly the the reason to see it is his performance and the the writing itself. Again, there the the structure could use some work a little bit here and there, but the writing itself, the dialogue, the interactions between characters, is something that feels 
very lived in and he's playing a character who's in the tradition of sort of a Travis Bickle, um, uh, Rupert Pupkin, but also oddly enough, he reminded me of various, uh, Paul, uh, well, Paul Schrader characters, but also, um, uh, Russell Banks characters like, uh, in continental drift and, uh, affliction, but it's, it's all, there's a, there's a sadness to it, a manic quality to it. And it's also extremely funny at the same time, even when you don't want it to be funny. Uh, there's a scene where the character, he has a few breakdowns, but he has a very public breakdown in front of a lot of people. And you know, that like, at, as a function of this breakdown, it's like, okay, his life as he knows it is basically over and there's an inherent sadness to that. And there's a sense of danger. And yet there are moments that are laugh out loud, funny it's the, and his ability as a writer and as an actor to balance those is really something. And uh, yeah, I think David, I think you would like it. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing Wolf of Snow Hollow. Uh, I think you would like it. And I think the, you know, it's a cool 90 minutes. I appreciate that. And it flies by and you can, I could not take my eyes off the screen. Like I was just so, you know, for, for a film that is, is primarily a, just a character study. Uh, it just pulls you in and holds you. And that's, that's the power of this character and his, playing of this character it's definitely worth watching absolutely um i don't remember exactly where i saw it it's on some streaming service but i i highly recommend it yeah i gotta i gotta see it because the i've watched the short multiple times showing it to other people it's yeah. uh, it's a thing of perfection and um, the short is the first is the know. first 10 minutes of the movie the first oh that's interesting yeah so it starts there wow um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize that. That's um, yeah. The the so the short film is 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 perfect. I really loved the Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, uh, as well. So the, yeah, I have no reason not to watch this this movie. I, I think that uh, I'm really on this guy's wavelength. Yeah. All right. So next up, last one for me, and then one more for you. Uh, uh, a very recent movie. I watched the Chinese documentary Seventy Six Days. Okay. Uh, have you heard of 76 days? I think I have heard uh, of it. I don't remember who's telling me about it. Well, it's the 76 days are, uh, from late January to early April, 2020 yeah. in Wuhan, like as COVID is, um, really breaking out. Things are shutting down hospitals. It starts, the movie starts with like the hospital staff, having to like keep the doors locked and only like let in a few people at a time to keep social distancing and to uh, admit people while people are like sick and standing in the cold. It's January yeah. in, in China, um, uh, trying to, to get in and, and the, the, the doctors and, and nurses are all, um, each one as they appear, their name appears on the screen. You, it had it has to have it every time because they're in so much PPE that sure. you would not recognize them. Um, there you can see like nothing of, uh, of them. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean the, and then, yeah, the right at the beginning is a, a woman like crying because her father just died of, of mm. COVID. It's like the movie just doesn't ease you in to this. Yeah. Um, which, in the which i so i was like after the first scene i was like holy fuck i don't know <laughs> like i mean the thing's yeah. only like 
you know, it's under a hundred minutes. Like it, it's not that much of a commitment, but it's still like, Oh man, this is going to be brutal. But it actually like, it starts with the worst of it. And sure. then the movie is actually kind of a, a testament to um, the, uh, the resilience and, and sense of community um, uh, and, and in some ways the, the patience of um of of the people of, of of Wuhan, I would say having watched it. Oh yeah, we didn't say. Sorry, um, we said this on the episode that's coming up, but we'll say right. it now. Yes, um, yes. If you for the rest of the month, if you buy the Battleship Pretension book, the Battleship Pretension presents the 101 best movies of the 2010s. Uh, all the proceeds. Um, I mean, not you have to pay shipping, and the shipping goes to the shipping. But yeah. the actual like book cost. All of those proceeds will be donated at the end of the month to uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice Atlanta. So um, yeah, I meant to say that at the top, but I want to say it now. So yeah, right. buy the book uh, right now, and and we'll donate the money. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, watching. Uh, I was a bit w- nervous, like watching. It, it was that night that the Atlanta shooting happened, and I was like, uh, like so much of this the 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 recent like uh surge in in anti-asian violence uh, yeah. in this country has to do with the 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 uh, with, with covid sort of uh blowing up from from china um, yeah it's, it feels weird to watch this but it almost is the opposite it's like it, this the movie i think is kind of a, a a testament without being sappy without ever lying sure. to you it's a very honest movie um is is a, a testament to the to to the chinese people um and uh and it's and it's just you know when the when the people made it they couldn't have the the directors uh couldn't have predicted what we would have gone through in the rest of our lives and how weird yeah. it is to to see things that like probably felt so bizarre at the time, you know, um, like, like people, um, uh, standing in, in, in lines, you know, six feet apart, uh, um, and like, uh, uh, when someone, you know, another person dies of COVID and their daughter comes to pick up their belongings, they, the, the doctor like sanitizes the belongings, puts them in a bag, them in a bag, and then takes them out of the hospital to the person who's waiting on the other side of the fence. Yeah, like weird, surreal things that are just like now we're like, yeah, that's that's how that yeah. sort of thing happens now. Um, yeah. Very, very uh, strange. Um, it's uh, uh, str- a strange experience in how not strange so much of it is. Um, yeah, but, I think I, uh, I, I think I mentioned this, but uh, the day that uh, the the boys were born, uh, the plan and it, it's what was happening for a while. I was just going to sit at an IHOP and just eat breakfast uh, and drink coffee because you know, there was the, 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 the biological mother and then Jen was going to be with her and that was all that was really allowed. So I was just sitting, just watching stand up comedy on my phone at IHOP. And, and then an insult Jen, to injury, you're a Denny's guy. I know there was not a Denny's close. It really on bummed me of, out. On top of that, you had to sit at an IHOP, your I know. hated rival. <laughs> I don't mind IHOP. They're all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then, then Jen texted and said like, Hey, uh, there's a nurse here who thinks she can get you in. I'm like, get me. What? <laughs> She's going to smuggle me. Like, am I going to be on like in a yeah. laundry cart or something? <laughs> this is like when I know somebody who knows somebody who's at the Showtime party at Comic-Con. Exactly. Like, hey, yeah. Come meet me at the elevator. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, and what was funny is like, so I went in and I, you know, they, I was all masked up and they put me in, in scrubs and stuff like that. And then like the nurse comes out and she's just like eating Skittles and uh, she's like, she goes, all right. So yeah. Ready to go be a dad. I'm like, yeah. Well, what's going on here? Why, why, why are you so casual about all this? Not merely uh, the, this life-changing experience for me, but uh, aren't we yeah. supposed to be taking this more seriously? Um, all right. Uh, I'll talk Sorry about that you, anyway. Do you know what I learned recently from the Doughboys podcast? What's that? That officially on all like branded uh, or, or official copy, Skittles is what the candy is called. An indiv- so an individual piece is not a Skittle. Okay. It's referred to as a Skittles lentil. B- referred to by by whom? <laughs> I, I guess within the company, that's how they refer to an individual piece is a Skittles lentil. I don't think I could work for that company. Um. <laughs> uh, the other one they brought up on the Doughboys was uh, um, that Cheez-It is the opposite. Cheez-It is always singular. And okay. so it, multiple crackers aren't Cheez-Its, they're Cheez-It crackers. So you're not eating Cheez-Its, you're eating Cheez-It crackers. <laughs> there isn't, must be a reason this exhausting is enough. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's illegal, exactly. but it must be a reason that, that companies like uh, insist on this. There's always a reason. And it's just like, oh, it's pro- there are probably a series of lawsuits somehow uh, yeah. that led to this. Uh, it's interesting. One of, the hosts of, uh, one of the hosts of Doughboys like years ago, uh, like, directed a skittles branded funnier die short mm. and that's where he learned like in all the copy that that uh, an individual skittle is called a skittles lentil it's funny you mentioned uh, the doughboys podcast uh because earlier today i was uh treating myself to uh, another a rewatch of uh the mike mitchell uh talk show that you uh, introduced me to a long time ago and uh boy what's going on What's going on? Uh, listener, if you have not seen what's going on, there's only one episode of it. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Mike Mitchell, what's going on? And you will not be disappointed. It's so funny. And it's so dumb it's, that the network they made it for didn't. didn't I know. So brilliant. <laughs> My only hope is like, this is the age of streaming where stuff is picked up by some service or another. It feels like they should grab it. Anyway, um, so my last movie is a rewatch. Uh, as listeners know, Jen and I have been working our way through all of the Star Wars movies, and we have finally finished up with uh, Rise of Skywalker. It was her first time watching it. Uh, it's my second time watching it. You may recall I did not care for it when I first saw it. Um, still don't. Uh, I, all the Kylo Ren and Ray stuff is great. Like, all of that is so effective. Um, and the idea that they have this connection and can see each other like in other locations. I love everything about that. Um, but so much of that movie, man, it just like, it feels like they're just spinning plates, uh, and trying to like tackle stuff while uh, trying to tackle new stuff while trying to counteract what ryan johnson did in the last film uh and then trying to trying to get fans back on board and to me just like the just bringing palpatine back as much as i enjoy the performance of ian mcdermott um it just feels like such a such a move of desperation uh and just and the way that they just say it's like oh yeah he's back so uh what are you gonna do and it's uh, 
I don't know. The, the film is just all over the place and it just feels really scattered to me. And the, the fact that they are still trying to introduce new stuff, it's like, well, I, I understand why you'd want to do that. Cause that's the nature of this universe. But at the same time, like you're wrap, you're also trying to wrap things up. And I feel like you could, you should try to prioritize that over the other thing. Um, and it's like two hours and 20 minutes. And part of me feels like, I mean, if the movie was just going to be more of this, then I certainly wouldn't want it to be longer. But at the same time, if you were to drag it to three hours or something like that and really give all of this like enough time and enough room to breathe, I think I, I think I would have I would have liked that. But as it is, it just feels like way too much stuff crammed into, you know, two and two hours and 20 minutes, which is still uh, pretty long. Um but yeah, it's uh, it just frustrated me, especially after watching Last Jedi, which is not a perfect film, but I like it so much more than this one. I uh, I know I know I'm in the minority because I liked Rise of Skywalker, um, but uh, I'm certainly sympathetic to people not liking Rise of Skywalker because if I were invested in Star Wars, the things that bother people would have bothered me too. As it as it happens, I don't really like care that much that they're like counter contradicting the sure. previous movie and stuff like that i just see it as rise of skywalker is basically just an adventure movie that like indiana jones style goes from one adventure set piece to another sure. um after a kind of like jam-packed with exposition like uh opening act that boy that, that does kind of like i do remember like about like probably 17, 18 minutes of the movie being like, this sucks. And then almost <laughs> yeah. immediately after that, I just like liked it for the rest of the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cause once the ball gets rolling, it's just, it's just one set pace after another. And I, uh, I had a fun time. Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, yeah, I'm not a huge star Wars guy. Um, and I don't even really, it doesn't even really bother me that JJ uh, Abrams is trying to kind of walk back some of the stuff from the previous film. It doesn't necessarily bother me that he's doing that so much as it, as just the, what the balancing or rather the lack of balancing of everything. And just as, as somebody who occasionally, uh, you know, helps people with scripts, uh, I, I look at, a script like this. I was like, this is a mess. This is just, there are so many things you could do to fix this. Uh, but, uh, it's just, it's always fascinating to me that, uh, when, a, when a, a script like that is written and then filmed and then everything stuff is left in and editing. And she's like, wow, there, there are a lot of steps, uh, where people could have said, Hey, this could be better. Right. Uh, and they didn't, or maybe they did. And it was much worse. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Uh, neither of us are, but uh I still appreciate good structure and I feel like this movie did not have it. 